Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Digital trends show up every day in business decisions and actions. West Monroe is the number one strategic partner translating technology into financial value for companies. The This Is Digital podcast applies West Monroe's two decades of secrets and best practices to your business's benefit. Favorite past topics from the last three seasons include how AI and the next generation of employees are shaping the workplace, becoming a product company, Highmark's journey, and what does it mean to put the customer first. Learn more at westmonroe.com. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Hey, listen! Quick warning before we start the show this week, uh... Don't try and jump three times and fly, kids. It's not. <laughs> I learned it the hard way. You don't. You don't want to be me. Um, so this is Michael Swaim coming to you from full traction in the hospital. Uh, <laughs> and being, to be clear, you just do that. <laughs> That's what you just do. You just do three jumps and I, a fly. That's your normal. I learned it from you. Uh, <laughs> the Mario to my Wario. Mr. Mm. Adam Ganser, oh, you're Wario. please say hi. In this situation, yeah, I'm specifically Elon Thank Musk God. as Wario, so we're in a bad way. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, how are you yeah, doing, Yeah, mask buddy? is off now. I'm doing great, man. Musk I'm uh, I'm flying sky high because I do have that power. Damn it. Uh, so <laughs> thrilled to talk about this game. I, uh, If I understand and, my lore correctly, though, I have like a fart-powered motorcycle or something. <laughs> I believe, uh, yes, that's, that's right. canon, and uh, we'll be referring to it going forward. Heck yeah. Uh, hey, we have a guest with us today, uh, a fantastic guest. Mike, somebody you worked with. That's right. Uh, did you want to introduce him? I would love to have the honor of introducing this person if I could. Uh, I was at IGN for a little over three years. Not nothing, but not too, too long, which is why I feel so honored and privileged that uh, he would take the time and join us to talk about the game today. My old boss, arguably the voice of video games journalism, Mr. Damon Hatfield. Please say hi. What's up, everybody? (laughs) Oh, coming in with the tagline right off the bat. Love it. (laughs) Um, Cut to. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Screenshot of everyone cheering. Yeah, Yeah. for real. Our pleasure. Uh, And and we thought. I was going to say, you're sorry, missed Swaim over at IGN. And Adam, it's a pleasure to meet you. Absolutely. Same. Yeah. Very kind. Uh, I really enjoyed my times on GameScoop. Um, when we started formulating this podcast, we decided to go in a wildly different direction, specifically so as not to compete with GameScoop, which I think was wise because it's a juggernaut. Man. <laughs> yeah. Doing great work That's over true. there. This, um, this week is going to be our 700th episode. Wow. That's wild. Congratulations. <laughs> That's God. awesome. Yeah, thanks. Um, but we thought we'd give you a little change of pace where we sort of slow down and spend time on one game. And we thought, uh, what better game uh, for Damon than one of the all-time greats? I, sometimes there's some suspense on the show about whether we're going to dump on the game or not. But I think people know <laughs> how this is going to go. We're talking Mario yeah. 64. Uh, so let's get into format. Huh, Ganzi Poo? Let's do it. So uh, I'll pass our first checkpoint, mm-hmm. meaning we've leapt right into a painting and right into video game history. 
and uh, Man, are just you know the just you know the level's not going to go well when you biff that painting backflip, right? <laughs> That's, That's right. A bad you don't land that; yeah. it's not going to be good. Uh, and we're shooting right out of a cannon with our first segment. Tell me, like I'm eight bit, in which we ask our illustrious guest to explain to somebody who doesn't know what this game is. Uh, what is Super Mario sixty four? You'd, you'd so be hard pressed to find away. someone who doesn't know like who Mario is. Is that what, we're, what, what do we have to explain here? How, I think you're right about it. I think Mario is a given. I think okay. maybe just telling where this game falls in the timeline and uh, what the game is is probably enough. Yeah, sure. Well, this is this is the first 3D Mario after Mario conquered video games in the 80s and became more recognizable than Mickey Mouse. This is the first time he jumped into 3D. For most people seeing this game, playing this game, it would have been the first time they ever saw or played a game in 3D. And what's significant is that Nintendo, they got so much right the first time out the gate. It didn't feel like it wasn't hard for people to get to grips with controlling Mario in in that 3D space. He was doing, he did everything you expected Mario to do just now in amazing 3D. So, I mean, perfect. That's the gist of it. That's the gist of it. Uh, it was also, I think it was a launch title for the Nintendo 64, if I'm not two. mistaken. That's this right. Pilot Wings. Oh, I thought it was Pilot uh, Wings. Wave Racer. <laughs> or what was the C? Pilot one? Wave Race. Yeah, Wave Race. Yeah. You can play that right now, Mike, uh, I am. on the expansion pack. Great. It's uh, it, it's it's not as good as I oh, I did. I got that expansion pack in order to play this again. So now I have that. Great. So, okay, great. I'll okay, do that. Okay, great. Great. Uh, shall we pass our second checkpoint, which means uh, we're going to grab another star that seems to involve uh, collecting all eight red coins, wherever they might be hidden. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to go into our gamer rants where we each get a shot at uh, telling our sort of overall impressions of the game and the hottest takes we have, whatever they are. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll take it, Mr. Ganser, okay. sir. Uh, player Great. one plugging in with my rant. Do, 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 do. Here we go. Uh, I decided to go first because I can take the broad swipe at the easy thing, which is that as Damon, I feel like already alluded to, um, it, it's almost an impossible, it's impossible to overstate what a conundrum it is. And you're in a unique position, I think, as as Mario 64's developers were. Um, Shigeru Miyamoto deserves a specific shout out, of course, but uh, the whole team is responsible for this challenge, which is. Okay, the technology is evolving and now 3D is possible and it's akin to like film becoming color where we know this is coming. It's inevitable. Um, The the thing, the art wants to approach a facsimile of the real world. So we're going to get there. And uh, I think we have similar issues that we face today with like uh, how when is AI going to or or whatever? When are we going to surpass the Canny Valley? Um, we are we're getting to the point where we're fully digitizing actors right in the spine of a lot of AAA titles is now people actually physically acting it out. Um, so as technologies advance, you reach these breaking points. And man, 2D to 3D is a pretty classic. <laughs> this was a, a huge issue for the entire industry to tackle. And they nail it at what I found charming, actually, this time through is that it's not it's not perfect from jump. I guess that's the spiciest thing I can say is like. It's almost cooler to see that as a, you know, as humans interested in video games, we're all grappling with this obvious problem of how does this all translate to three dimensions? And uh, and they get so much right. And yet not everything. There's interesting stuff to talk about where it's like, ah, they took a swipe at how this would work. And we don't do it that way anymore. But this is one of those key pieces of art in the medium where you can't not look at it and go, oh, this all dates back to that in some regard. Um, and I did want to talk about how, like, I feel 3D platformers have sort of fallen off lately. I was looking at the top ones of mm. this in last year. Kirby Forgotten Lands comes to mind. Yeah. Or like, uh, I guess, Ori. That's more. So like Metroidvanias have kind of come back and I feel like stolen. Yeah. Three, so it's interesting because 3D platform when I was a kid felt like the dominant platform um, in a way that slowly got supplanted by FPS. And now it's I don't know. So I'd like to talk about the state of 3D platformers generally, but when it comes to moving in 3D space, there's just fundamental stuff to figure out. And it's so funny to me that our icon of that is they, it's like Mario always steps forward and it's like, I'll do it first. And it's like, <laughs> all right, this generic middle-aged guy in the overalls is going to walk us through how this new technology is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's my rant. Yeah, like the, the camera is like probably the biggest sticking point, but like mm-hmm. at the time we didn't know any better. 
you know, like it's, right. you right. don't have full control of the camera. It's like, you know, you can like, there's like three or four different frames you can move the camera to around you. Mm-hmm. But right. we didn't know any better at the time. Right. Somebody had to, somebody had to get the first draft, the yeah. first idea. Uh, did you want to go next, David? And take you? Sure. I, we usually I, can. I actually okay, have great. a much more like emotional response oh, to great. it. Oh, great. I love it. For. Please. Mario 64 is a very important game to me. It came out in with the Nintendo 64, I think, in September of 1996. And I had just started college. So it was like, you know, I'm in my freshman year, just in the early days. And like, that's such a monumental change in my life to begin with. First time living away from home. I'm thrown into a completely different social pool. I have to make new friends, meet new people. And then, but I get the Nintendo 64 and Mario. And I was like the only person that had it that I, w- I was aware of. Oh. So like as, as I was making friends, you know, coming over to my dorm room to play some Mario 64 was a free activity for people. So it was awesome. Yeah. People would come over, we'd pass the control around, everyone would try to get a star or two. And then like that, that just, it lasted weeks and maybe months of that first, from my first semester at, uh, it was at the University of Kansas, if anyone was interested Oh. So like, yeah, it, when I think about that game, it's like it's very it's closely tied to my beginning early days of college and making new friends in and that great social adventure of you know, that spanned a really long time, a good portion of the of, of the year. But that wasn't the first time that I played Mario 64 in uh, uh, my hometown. There is a local video store, not a blockbuster. It was a local video store called Video Library. It was in Lenexa, Kansas. and It was awesome. It's in a strip mall, and if you can just imagine a typical a typical strip mall, video library spanned. It was like as wide as like five businesses in a, a, a regular <laughs> strip mall. It was huge. They had awesome import sections. They had an import anime section back in the day, which is very interesting to me. You could rent any video game console, and they would buy consoles from Japan that you could rent. So I rent I rented oh. the Super Famicom Whoa. and played through all of Super Mario World like before anyone else had ever played it. It was wow. great. Wow, that rules! So I walked in one day, and they've got a Nintendo sixty four up on a kiosk, and Mario sixty four is playing, and it, it's just like I, it's just like the moment, the most significant moment to me when I saw a video game, and it just blew my mind. Like I I've been a gamer. Since as long as I can remember, played all the Mario games and like playing Mario 64 for the first time, controlling him in 3D, jumping around, uh, you know, picking up bob bombs. It was completely amazing and mind blowing to me and probably like an, uh, an experience I won't ever have again with a video game. Like there won't be a leap like that going from 2D games to 3D games. And then the final thing I wanted to say is that Super Mario 64 is actually intrinsically tied to my career at IGN. Because when we were playing it mm. way back then, 1996, 1997, that was the first time that I ever like ventured onto the internet looking for game help, looking mm. for help finding all those stars. Mm. And that led me to N64.com, which would eventually turn into IGN.com. And then 10 years later, I would wow. be working, I'd be working at IGN.com. Wow. That's so fun. Uh, we didn't know any of that. So that that's amazing. Oh, awesome. all this yeah. is so tied to that one game. Uh, thank you. I'm going to take the reins now, if I may. Do it. I have many questions, but I'll save it for the next segment. Yeah, great. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I want to, I want to ask some questions too. Uh, I had almost exactly the same blow your mind experience that Damon had. I was a little younger, I think, but, uh, I remember going into a Toys R Us and when they used to like, you know, have Toys R Us's and uh, they had Mario 64 playing on a kiosk somewhere and you could play it for like five minutes before some other kids shoved you out of the way. And uh, it was unreal. It was like you couldn't believe that uh, video games could be this and <laughs> you would mortgage anything to have it. You would sell anything to have it. Uh, and if the funny word that I remember us all saying is like, it's so realistic a hilarious word to use about Mario 64, but that's what it felt like going to 3d. And I'm sure there's like some of you that are like, Oh, you guys are all olds. Uh, I can say this. If you haven't played Mario 64, if you're like 19 and have never played this game, it's still extremely playable. Mm -hmm. I played, I played it in like six hours. I got all 120 stars in like six hours last month when I play this again. And it's like, dude, this game still rules, man. It's still really fun to play. And that's incredible that 30 years later, it's even playable at all. And it was the first shot. That's amazing. Um, Some things that stood out to me when I was playing it this time that I think may pepper the way that we talk about this game. The first thing is they made a really key discovery about something about what the nature of 3D gaming is that nobody's ever stated out loud. And that is all Mario games up to this point were about getting through the level. It was about getting to the end of the level. And then like you move on to the next level, right? 
or finding a secret other path and you get to the next level. These levels were not designed to leave. These were levels that were designed to explore, mm -hmm. which is like the key ingredient to almost every great 3D game. And it started with a, 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 an interesting assumption. I don't even know how they came to it, but like these were not levels to get past. These are levels to stick around in and explore. It's and uh, they've done other versions of Mario that were more about getting to the end. Like I would say Super Mario Galaxy, for instance, is more mm -hmm. about getting to the end than it is about exploring. Um, but the really great 3D Mario games have mostly been about that one key assumption. And I don't know how they arrived at it, but it, it's really important for gaming. Um, the other thing that really strikes me is when you move into three dimensions, suddenly you have the problem that all movies have, which is now you need to think about how does the camera show us uh, what we need to know and what does the camera hide from us so that we don't need to know that so we get surprises, right? So moving into three dimensions means you have to start thinking about uh, how how the game will be perceived and have infinite options. Whereas in 2d, you have no options 2d. You have a, a point of view and that's it. Um, and their decisions were often motivated by trying to make the game look awesome. Right. So you can see that they really wanted to do all these like sweeping jib shots and, and uh, these like crane shots. And some of them are really great. They belong in trailers. And mm -hmm. some of them of course feel frustrating mm -hmm. because one of the things that we assume now, because we learned it from this game is, oh, I need to have more control of the camera in a 3D space. And Nintendo was really slow to give up the control of the camera in mm -hmm. 3D games for a pretty long time. Um, but I do think that they instinctively understood the value and importance of the camera uh, and how to use it to make the game seem awesome. They made it a um, character. That's how important Yeah, it is. that's mm -hmm. right. They did. And... Um, so I think some of the conversation about the camera needs to be about what is the challenge they were overcoming it. They were trying to overcome there. And did they do it successfully? For instance, I think they didn't want to entirely leave 2d behind. And so some of the levels are framed as side scrolling, uh, which is less fun to do with a joystick, but also probably felt more familiar because that's what Mario was. So they, they really had a challenge there. And I think that was interesting. And last, and I think maybe the most important is I would say this game is when Mario became a full character. Um, and what I mean by that is he started to talk here. Mm. Like we heard Mario for the first time in this game and he became far more capable in this game than he'd ever been before. He was able to go really any direction which is part like some of the promise of a 3D game, but they really lived up to it here in the power-ups. And um, I think that since then, they've gone back to the idea of Mario as an avatar. Um, like, I, like, for instance, if you play Super Mario Odyssey, one of the cool things about it is Mario's always wearing some new outfit or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But in this game, they really... I, it seems like they set out to say this is the full character of Mario and we're going to we're going to stand on this character and we're going to define this character. And and like even from the first frame where his face pops in and you can like tinker with his face, a weird thing in this game. It's really about establishing we're going to dominate this. And Mario is our face forward character. And here's how he sounds. And here's how he looks. And uh, I think that's interesting. I actually think that's some of why people are like gut upset with like Chris Pratt. And his vo vocalizations, because Mario's movement into vocalization in the 3D space was really iconic and impossible to replace for a lot of people. Um, so I have more to say, but I think that's good for where my rant should end. And yes, I think if you tried to have an actor do extended dialogue in the like, hey, hello, it would just It'd come off dumb. like Italian Mickey yeah. Mouse. Like if it'd be dumb. It right. Movie. Yeah. They 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 happen to be at the right time where we wouldn't question the decision of he what Mario sounds like. Full of things, yeah, right, exactly. Well, he says a lot more than you think. Like when he went from zero, like he has almost full sentences sometimes. Anyway, I uh, abandoned my boy. I, don't get off I abandoned my child. <laughs> I think in, <laughs> in the second in the in the J Japanese version, I think he actually says the phrase "so long, uh, King of Bowser." <laughs> when he throws him <laughs> over the, the, edge. At the end, yeah. yeah, it's so good. Anyway, uh, this is probably a great time for us to uh, mm -hmm. to gather our thoughts and to uh, go collect some power ups, and and uh, we'll be back on the other side of the break with all new thoughts on Mario 64. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. 
as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Do you have a digital mindset? Check out Season 3 of This is Digital. Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including driving profitable growth in enterprise software and how the new sports fan experience can drive revenue. Featuring guests like Chris D'Agostino of Databricks and Scott Crable of Tama Bravo. Check out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com. And we're back, running up an indefinitely long staircase while the music just goes up and up and up and up and up infinitely. That's right. Remember that? I was mesmerized I by that as a child, that magic trick where the piano scale can do something where it sounds like it's <laughs> always going up, but it never reaches the top. That's another fun thing about 3D gaming that started there, like the idea that you assume the real space is definite mm -hmm. because we're all so used to that. And so many games are about like creating the vision quest idea where the space isn't definite. You know, no. like Far Cry does this shit all the time. But even the most recent God of War is constantly changing the 3D space to be impossible. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, just started there and I thought that was interesting. But yes, as, anyway, anyway, this is Game On, which is the section of the podcast we're allowed to interrupt each other, uh, you know, within reason. Um, and we just talk. <laughs> We just talk about the game. So I'll kick it off uh, by saying that something, I mean, first, last in, first out, uh, the most recent thing that you mentioned, Adam, on the other side of the break that stood out to me was you were talking about, and it didn't even occur to me how huge it is that they settled on replayable courses mm. where you skin mm -hmm. the, you find different areas or it's a puzzle, right? Or the name of the star is a clue. That was so engaging to me as a kid at the time. And, um, I think it's got to be like without looking into it, I can confidently say part of it has to be the restriction on space, right? If you have a 2D level editor, you they I think they got to a place, you know, with Super Mario World where they could fit an arbitrary amount of levels or as much as they could build to a point. But I feel like when you switch to 3D, maybe I'm wrong, maybe the N64 could immediately hold a huge world. But I feel like uh, there had to be a decision at some level. And I love when art rises to the occasion because of a restriction um mm -hmm. but it had to be like well we can only fit x amount of world in this cartridge right I yeah it has to be that yeah I, it has to be that and yet they otherwise, came out with this what yeah, a unique what a, idea yeah. that you're gonna read happy accident if that's true yeah <clears throat> um my i also encountered it at i think a circuit city at a kiosk and was like this is the yeah. toy this is the ultimate yeah. most engaging yeah. thing for a kid that i've ever encountered <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah it, you made a really great point, Adam, talking about how the levels were designed to stay in and explore. This game taught me what it is that I love to do in video games, which is Ooh. explore, 
you know, explore a, a 3D space, discover things, discover secrets. I didn't really know that until I played this game. And now I know that's what, that's what I'm looking for out of, out of you know, uh, most video games. And the other thing is that it wasn't just the 3D that was influential from this game. That design was also influential. It was adopted by games like Tony Hawk. Yeah. Right. Like the Tony Hawk yep. levels are the exact same way. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. You stick around and like you got to do 10 things in this level yeah. before you can move on. Uh, that's right. And, and like, it's really almost every game that's in 3d space. As, uses it say, to some as degree. we record this, we're probably all playing God of War Ragnarok. And yes. I just finished that. it. Um, yeah. it's like Mario 64 in some sense has over quests and side quests. And that's not, and I, the thrilling feeling of freedom when you realize that you only technically need 31 stars to open all the levels. And then you can start mm-hmm. doing the levels in any order even that was such a step beyond Super Mario World had right like the red dot levels with alternate exits, um, but it felt like such an evolution or, you know, jump forward from that. Yeah, it's uh, a lot looser. Yeah. It's a lot looser in structure than where we were used to, where like every world felt pretty much self-contained. Like you could go back through and clean up stuff after you've breached the new world or whatever. Yeah. But but it, again, it was always about getting to the finish line. That's what I mean. It almost feels 3D. This is dumb, but like emotionally 3D or conceptually 3D in the sense that before Mario 64, I thought of games as like level one start. You've completed the Mm -hmm. level level two. Mm -hmm. Mario was the first like it not only involved 3D space, but it involved 3D thinking like you can explore the levels of the game in an off the beaten path way. And uh, yeah, that makes me think also something you mentioned, Damon. I got to ask. Uh, we recently just covered Half-Life Alex, which was our first VR title. And of course, I guess, you know, like the premiere quote unquote one you would start with. Um, have you done much VR yet? I suspect you have. I, I'm sure I, you well, have ever. But like, does that feel at all like that kind of leap? Because you mentioned loving exploring and finding stuff. Yeah. And I found my favorite part of Alex was searching around for stuff. Yeah, I don't own a VR headset myself. Mm-hmm. I've just used it like at through IGN and uh, events and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I actually haven't played Half-Life Alex, which is I know is a shame because the half the first two Half-Life games are some of my favorite games of all time. And I hear mm-hmm. that Alex is good, not just for a VR game. It's just one of the best video games of probably the past decade. So yeah. I need to try that. Um, I don't, you know, video, I've, I've played some impressive VR stuff. I wouldn't say it was quite the same feeling that was that first time that I played Mario 64. Uh, yeah, it's it's like so hard to replicate the the resonance of that moment when as a child or even like a young adult, you'd never imagined 3D games. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I mean. Like it you almost just, makes me you didn't sad. conceive of it. Yeah, that I'll yeah. never have that perceptual I mean, shift again. Yeah, it's hard to say. You know what I mean? Like, who knows what is possible? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, I never want to say like there is no moment like that for younger people or whatever or for any of us going forward. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, I mean, just because game design is still sort of behind closed doors to some degree, mm-hmm. like we don't really know all the processes that go on in game design unless you do that. Like it does feel like sorcery. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Mario 64 felt like a fully arrived magic spell. Like, yeah. my God, how do they do it? You know? Yeah, I do have to say I, I miss that Nintendo where like back then Nintendo was at the cutting edge of you know video game technology like you, you could anyone could look at mario 64 and it was amazing to behold yeah and that's not really the the nintendo that exists today it's still phenomenally successful but ever since the wii they have not been trying to compete at you know at the highest you know technical achievement area in video games they also i think pivoted in terms of attitude and tone and you can mm-hmm. see it in subsequent mario outings like for instance i was playing a little bit of mario galaxy this morning to like get in the space for this and uh, that is much more sort of child focused in mm-hmm. tone and in like just the sounds and stuff than Mario 64 is, which has a little bit of a an edgy quality at times, you know, well, like, like, and like you're there's saying, some sad feelings in it and stuff. He you know? feels like even though, of course, the story is somewhat limited because it's a Mario game and it's mostly like silent, but he feels like you're actually writing with him like he's the character and you're and you are him. And I would say in some sense, the new ones like Bowser's Fury or, you know, Mario plus Rabbids, he has reached that Mickey Mouse icon level where it's like, I mean, now he's with Rabbids in a totally different isometric strategy game. He can skin 
there's something not lost. I love all the games I just mentioned, um, but he's an he's almost like just a character that now can. Yeah, like Damon said, not necessarily. He was always a flagship, like the face of the company, but not necessarily represent what the company is doing with exciting technology as much as if they're going to explore a new genre. The first one's going to be a Mario, right? Like he's their pioneer into um, we're, we're launching a new franchise. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's aberrations. I'm thinking of Splatoon. Um, but I still sure. think Mario's the well that hits most often. And uh, I'm always in Zelda, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Those Zelda. are the two. Yeah. Um, I wish Metroid was in there, but it's me too. It's close. But it doesn't but sell not apparently. as much, but uh, um, it's always interesting to me what components much more than something that feels perennial, like let's say call of duty or what have you. Uh, they do change it up. Like very yeah, interesting to me that in 64, you have health wedges and you your coins mm-hmm. almost sonic like right like coins are life and then in uh other ones it will just be or you know like super mario world and then bowser's fury i believe it's like if you have a mask or a, an effect on you that's one shield then you're big and then you're small and then you're dead everyone knows how mario works but um i do find that they're still brave in the sense of uh trying to change their formula. Obviously, Odyssey went with the hat and the possession thing. Galaxy went with the planetoids and the gravity games. So um, I don't feel like they've fallen off completely, but it sure doesn't feel as revolutionary as where they were at, which I, in some ways, uh, is a torch, I feel like, has been passed to Valve. We were describing Valve as like the James Cameron of games now. They are, Hmm. they feel like the ones who are doing the tech tests of whatever's Hmm. next. Um, it's well, in, yeah, go ahead. They definitely, I mean, to Damon's point, they definitely no longer try to innovate in the game spaces that already exist. Hardware, like that's though. that stuff. Yeah, they don't really do that as much. But yeah, like they do think of things like, you know, the Wii and its motion sensor stuff. Right. Or like, I didn't think this was great, but the Labo idea. Right. Like they they're always trying stuff that other game companies don't try. And Hmm. if they succeed, everybody does it. Uh, And if they don't succeed, we just all pretend there was no virtual boy. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So like, uh, I guess the spirit's still there. It's just a shame that it doesn't translate to games the way it did here, where it was like just such an iconic moment in gaming that we don't see that as much anymore. Um, Although Breath of the Wild, right? That game was uh, was, incredible. We often bemoan the, climb anywhere stamina system has not been ripped off as much as it should rightly be mm-hmm. climbing up right. anything and then uh parasailing down so satisfying yeah i the other genres like the assassin's creed franchise basically lets you climb anywhere now that's true yeah yep. i don't think that's they even right. have a stamina system yeah you just hold x and go up yeah. assassin's yeah. creed is also slowly swallowing all of games you know, yeah. like like that's what that's what they're doing. They're like the blob of game ideas. Yeah. Uh, for better, for worse. I don't know. They're not always some of those games are great still. Yeah. Um, I, I remember it being very interesting to me at the time that there was no fire flower and yet there was the flight hat. But I what you said during the rants had him really made it click. And and the level design is very vertical in many cases. They added the cannons. Yep. So yep. it's mm-hmm. like one of the things they got right right out of the gate emphatically was that you don't just want to, you know what I mean? Like they could have easily 3Dized a Super Mario World level and you'd basically be running down a tube, jumping up and down platforms. The fact that there's two levels, if I recall, where you're swimming most of the time. Yeah, um, yes. A level where, you know, you're all in these hallway like mines, but there's also an underground lake like, oh, I don't I don't I got such a weird special feeling in the underground lake with Dory for some reason that took me way back. Um, But yeah, they really they were like I I looked it up. There are only like six people on level design in Mario 64. That's wild. So thoughtful. That is wild. Right. Like so, so crafted. Mm-hmm. And in a way where I feel like it involves thought about at the basic level that you need to have that I think developers don't always jump to this place of like, okay, how do humans interact with space? You know, let's mm-hmm. start there. Or like, <laughs> what is it to move? Oh, you're going to want to move up. Okay. What are ways we can move up and down? And so now as an adult, I'm like, oh, of course you don't need the flower as much as you need flight. Flight is key for this. Although I still find the flying incredibly difficult. But it's <laughs> but it's not but it's easier than it was in other Mario games still. 
Uh, like I feel like, and I can't say this is true or not because I wasn't the cape, there. Man, the cape was. Oh, you like the cape? Okay, so the cool. cape's harder for me, but fair enough. Okay. I think that they started with like a bit like a basic philosophy on what they wanted to do, and that was we wanted we want Mario to be able to go anywhere. That's that was like the idea of this game. He's going to go underwater. He's going to go in caves. He's going to go up and like up into the stratosphere. He's going to go like any place you can imagine. We're going to design a level that's archetypally like that place. And we're going to give him power ups that make it so that nothing stands in his way. Not even walls. They have an invis like a translucence power up. That's like mm -hmm. you can walk through walls even, which to me suggests that's the ethos of this game. Right. It's like it's not about new limitations. It's about mm -hmm. destroying limitations. And I think the camera, of course, is the thing that that says, ah, he didn't quite do it, but yeah. they mostly did. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's a very freeing game. It's exploration mm -hmm. above all. Yeah. And even the fact that the coins that then yield a star are, it's basically just an incentive to go various places. Right. So the game is ultimately mm -hmm. look around this diorama, see how you can get around. And like, that's yeah. so appropriate to what a first foray into 3d is. Like, hey, let's just look around. Let's let's turn this bag inside out and look in every nook and cranny. Um, I will say I'm very jealous of you, Adam, that you said what? Six hours. I, I think I got like 85 stars. It took me like 18 hours. So I still find it very hard. I think the fact that there's a crawl function, which Mario, I don't believe yeah. has had. Again, yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Kind of speaks have, to the fact that in testing or something, they were like, well, the camera sometimes does screw you. All right. All right. We'll add a crawl, you know, where you can't fall. Cause I did some of the beams by crawling across like yeah. a humiliated mm -hmm. baby. Um, they, it, the game is also like, they really ramp up the difficulty, you know, that's like what I was uh, going to say. It's not easy. The clock world is fucking bananas. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like uh rainbow road is, or that's not what it's called. It's rainbow, whatever it is. Ride, ride? rainbow ride. Mm -hmm. Those those two levels are are fucked like they're hard. Right. But they're so good because they if you've gotten good at this brand new way of playing video games, like zipping along and like hopping over all these various wedges and stuff in TikTok lock feels incredible. If you can get to that level. Right. Those yeah, Bowser yeah. levels that are designed to like test how well you can navigate 3D space are so fun to replay now if you've gotten good at that. That's you know? that goes back. Go ahead, Damon. I was just going to say, that goes back to just the very beginning of Nintendo in video games. They've just always understood better than most anyone else how to make it feel good to just move a character around a space on the screen. Like just playing the game, it feels yep. good and creates a sense of joy. And not many other video game developers have been able to capture that as consistently as Nintendo has. It might be because they, they took the best perch. You know what I mean? Like Mario, <laughs> Mario in some ways, like, because all he does is run and jump. Let's be honest. I mean, and then with his powers flies and stuff, but mostly he runs and jumps. He can, but punch, those are two pretty good. Yeah. He punched a little used. bit. Yeah. <laughs> those are two pretty good things to like be the best at in video games. You know what I mean? Like, like what's the other space that other games have to occupy? Well, and uh, the very fact that there's a ledge grab functionality and animation, I don't think like I think that's hugely seminal um, in 2D. There's no necessity for so like the idea that I could. It's almost a compromise that I, I'm still learning how to work in 3D space. The camera is not always perfect, but yeah, for the first time in my life, if I miss a jump just a little bit, the character will grab the ledge and climb up that way. Even that these little details were so it's huge pretty forgiving at the time that we, yeah. And it, it, I think it's interesting. It shows that it's an exploration that they even threw in some stuff that I go, actually, that wasn't really necessary. Like the punching is almost an appendix. Like you don't, you could cut the fact that he punches and I feel like the game would still survive. And they do in other games. Right, they do exactly. cut that. Uh, so Damon, do you have like favorite and least favorite worlds? I'm just curious about that. My, it's probably front loaded yeah. just cause those would be like the ones that I've played the most. Like, I mean, yeah. I think Bob on battlefield is a great opening level. Sure. Yeah, of that's, course. that's the one I first played. Um, and then is it dire, dire docks? Is that one that has the eel? That's the, yeah, the underwater the third one, one, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know um, the one you're talking about. I, I loved, you know, spending time at that level and actually like actually kind of creeped me out. I think the, the first two times that Mario, like, drowned yeah <laughs> that was a little that was a little bit traumatic i think <laughs> oh yeah drowning in sand yeah. is so much more gruesome than yeah. anything in 2d <laughs> like, that's while bowser laughs yeah. while he just like just yeah, yeah evil laugh 
Yeah. Uh, I going back and replaying, there's some levels that are real, real pains in the dick. Like oh, that totally. lava world is just brutal, man. Oh, for me, uh, it was tall, tall mountain specifically because mm-hmm. Ooh. your consequence most frequently, the way that level's designed is to not die, but fall to the bottom and just have to start over. <laughs> and I find that uniquely frustrating. Like demoralizing. You'd yeah, rather be dead. Demoral- than- <laughs> I, I love, man, I'm all about dry, dry desert. The, when oh, I realized you could, because I was also a big Mighty Max kid, or the idea of anything that opens up and unfolds and then there's more inside. When I realized you can go in the pyramid, and now there's a level in the pyramid. Yep. And in yep. the pyramid, the sand level's rising based on a timer yep. that's global to the level. Like, that's some outer wilds shit. I love that yep. so much. And it, yeah, it, the, the pyramid level was definitely like better than I expected. Uh, certainly and if the condor kid, steals your hat, it sticks. Like then you go back to the overworld and you're like, Oh, my hat's still gone. So that's another Good interesting touches. feature of this game. Like they wanted to establish Mario's like his like permanent physiology in a way. So stealing, stealing your hat is like in a way reinforcing it. Well, now he's not Mario anymore. He doesn't have his hat. I got to go back <laughs> and get his hat. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's actually like crafty and I love it. You know, like it's very smart. Uh, that lava level. So actually it, it kind of segues into this other thing that I noticed this time that I wanted to bring up, which is there's so much like weird stuff in this game that are like just funny ideas. They didn't stick with. Yeah. Uh, one of them is like the turtle shells are surfboards or like skateboards mm-hmm. in this game. Right. And like, they didn't really do mm-hmm. that after that, but it's really fun. And I don't know where, like, I don't know exactly what made that leap happen. Like, are you guys just always getting the turtle shells? Cause I, every time I see one, I gotta have it. Yeah. I, I mean, speaking of Nintendo, not sticking with things, they didn't really stick with the 3d platformer yep. very much. Yep. I mean, even though they like, they did so much right this first time out and they established what a 3d platformer was going to be, but then they just basically handed the reins to other people to make 3d platformers until, I mean, they didn't make another one on Nintendo 64. Mario Sunshine was on the GameCube, uh, yep. what, six years later? Yeah, a long time. And then, and then in 2006, it was new Super Mario Brothers. Back to 2D. <laughs> yeah, do you, do you see Super Mario Galaxy as in this timeline, or is it a separate experiment to you? Uh, I think, like you were saying, it's more about getting... It's, it's less about exploration, more about beating the level. Still fantastic games, but, yeah. you know, it's... it's there's like a, a trinity, I guess, yeah, of um, 64, Sunshine, and then Galaxy. Or I'm sorry, Odyssey. Odyssey, right. Yeah. And Odyssey, I mean, if if you guys haven't played Odyssey, that's, if it wasn't for Mario 64's history, Odyssey would be one of the best games ever made, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so fucking good and yeah. fun. But it, but like, it's it's derivative of 64, so it's hard to take that away from it. Uh, yeah. it's, 64 I think, is the more important game, but I think Odyssey is the more fun game to play today. A hundred percent. Uh, and, and the more expansive game, like they, it's a little mm-hmm. bit more creative in some ways, but like, I think that they got a little bit success conservative. Like, I mm-hmm. think Mario 64 became so important for them that they were afraid to mess with it. It's the same thing that happened with Zelda where like they, they started to like get locked into these like timeline conversations and like permanent artifacts of the Zelda universe because of Ocarina of Time. And then they started to iterate on it and feel like beholden to it in a way that they weren't before because it was so good. And I, I think that's why they don't release more Mario games because mm-hmm. I think they don't want to like Mario 64 is this like sparkling jewel that they don't want to tarnish by having a bunch of bad 3D Marios out there. Does that sound even remotely true? That's like my theory. I feel Definitely like take the time. It's been five years since Odyssey now. Yeah. <sighs> and even Odyssey, I do think it speaks to for better and worse, a very sincere and deeply held like admiration for the legacy of the company and the brand and uh, their own history in the sense of like even Mario Odyssey has quite a few 2D levels and Nintendo, I think, are probably the most expansive like uh, developers I can think of as far as chronicling their own history. So like the latest yeah, Smash right. Brothers comes to mind where the entire yeah. Uh, campaign was basically a history, like a museum history of Nintendo. Uh, so I do think there's something. I mean, it's great because it adds to the romance. It makes Nintendo seem even more. It's almost like the Criterion Collection, right? Like their quality bar is so high that when one does come out, you know, it's going to be X quality. 
But I, there's a stagnation to that where you become conservative about you're not just going to take wild swings. But at the same time, I, it's not all the way that like it's not fair to say, you know, there's little things around. I guess you're saying mainline 3D platformers, but I will right. say in terms of being in stuff. Mario's pretty freewheeling, right? He's like everywhere. Mario yeah. RPG, yeah. Paper yeah. Mario, like he'll do whatever. They're definitely played every sport. <laughs> he's, he's, he's played every sport. Every sport. Uh, he <laughs> shook hands with that uh, Trader Sonic. <laughs> yeah, the he's been in. He's been in medicine briefly. He's he's really mm-hmm. done a lot mm-hmm. of things. Uh, but the, but again, I think that tells you even more how conservative they are with these three D platformers. Like right. they'll 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 throw the brand out there anywhere to make some money. Like they're mm-hmm. not afraid to make money. But they're definitely box. Yeah, they're like, no, this is sacred. This is their sacred cow, right? Like this, 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 and I think mainline Zeldas. Those yeah. are the ones that are like they they don't they release them when they're ready, and if it's ten years, that's what it is. They don't care. Totally unrelated, you know? but short. Uh, kind of, kind of on topic, but I just think so fascinating. Uh, Abe and I met with uh, Warner Brothers once and talked about doing some revival like Looney Tunes stuff, using the characters for other things. They're like adult swim type stuff was what they were looking for at the time um, where you reinvent or deconstruct the character in a funny way. Um, But then everything that we pitched, we were like, they were like, Oh, you can't use uh, so-and-so like bugs doesn't do that. You can't use bugs. It wasn't because he didn't do that. It's because he's already in a six month contract with such and such brand doing that. They treat them like real people, meaning they can't be double booked. They have schedules. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. Like they want Bugs Bunny to be corporeally bound to time, which I think is fascinating. When his great (laughs) magic is that he's not even that in the cartoons. Like he's he's not bound by time and space anyway. That's amazing. Um, I love it. But uh, Mario, you know, just the opposite, which is so great in Odyssey because it's literally like. The hat is the thing. The hat's the icon. I put my hat on you. I become you. You know, that's it's right. almost the perfect and the mustache for the brand. Yeah. Right. You I slept that mustache you. in a hat. That's Mario. Here's a question. Because <laughs> I, yeah. you see Mario, uh, I guess Mario plus Rabbids is the only one I keep turning to, but. Right. Gosh, do you think we're winding down with the mainline 3D platformers? Because as I said, there's a dearth of those in the market in general. I'd hate to ever think. I hope till I die that there's another 3D Mario in my future. I'd be sad if that stops being a profitable endeavor. I'm sure there is, but you know, who knows who will be president when that, whenever <laughs> right, that comes right. out. Right. Who like, knows what funny, countries? It, if that is how they treat, treat 3D Mario, this is like um, they're really precious with them. It wasn't until Mario 64 that that was the case because they yeah. made four 2D Mario games in five or six years. That's right. In the 80s, right? They slapped Mario 2 on, on a game that wasn't <laughs> even a Mario game. You know, exactly. like they di- yeah. diehearded that. Yeah. 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 So you're right. Again, I think that's what that's what they took away from Mario 64 is like mm. we now we have to really like now we got to be better like for our kids, you know, like we got to really make sure this is that we're not going to ruin this because these are really important games. That's what they believe. I think. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think they'll ever stop making 3d platformers because 3d platformers rocket their, their consoles back into relevance. Like anytime there's a, a mainline super Mario game they or do, a mainline Zelda. Cause that is not what most people are playing most of the time anymore. That's know? because they can't get it anywhere else. They got that sweet Turkish so. delight, my dude. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what it is. Like nobody makes Good them like these guys Mario do. Hookup. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I would rather play Mario than almost any game franchise for, for sheer fun. Like tell me another franchise mm-hmm. you're having more fun playing. I'm legitimately curious. Odyssey is the sixth best-selling Nintendo Switch game, so like, wow. it definitely did. It performed really well. And the rest are Pokemon, right? How many of the rest well, are Pokemon? Well, Mario Kart 8 is the okay. number one. Okay, sure. A game we have not yet discussed and should. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the rest are probably Pokemon, uh, a franchise that, that uh, Mike and I are woefully ignorant about. Um, Adam, sometimes do you have choice. any games that you specifically associate with dorm life in college? What a great question. Smash Brothers Melee on the 64. I had. Yeah, I had a GameCube then. So Mm. I believe it or not, it was I probably was playing Sunshine, a game I never loved as Mm. much. Um, Although in hindsight, yeah, actually Eternal Darkness. Did you play Eternal Darkness? Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Resident Evil 4, of course. And the the reskinned Resident Evil, the original one. Um, and double dash. Those are the, cause I basically was just mm-hmm. a GameCube guy in college. Okay. So you weren't, yeah. you weren't starving. 
No, I was I was fine. I, I've never been <laughs> Good, starving. I was worried. I was worried. <laughs> never been starving. Yeah. Uh, well, do you have any other observations you want to make about Mario sixty four, or shall we uh, zip through another? Oh, I'll say one more thing. Oh, please. Uh, my roommate in in that my freshman year of college, Nick Schmitz, who's a great friend of mine that I went to high school with and still friends with today. He actually didn't like it when I played Mario sixty four because it made him feel sick for whatever reason. Oh. Just like watching Mario run around that three D space like made him queasy. Did he get used to it over time? I think he just would like not pay attention. But he was like the okay. one that was he was not into it. He was not yeah. interested. Wow. Uh, people people fall off games, man. Like yeah. there's always a moment where it's like, ah, this isn't for me. I thought VR was gonna be that, but but Alex again kind of brought me in. Proved oh, no. got you Mike, into the cult. Um Swain, Swain yeah. can confirm that when you when you come to IGN you have to get stand up in front of the whole company and tell them what your favorite game of all time is. That's right. And for the longest time for years, I just, I, as a knee jerk reaction, I would just say Mario 64, but sure. it, it's been a really long time since I've actually like considered that. Like I was saying, I'd rather play Mario Odyssey today. So sure. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's actually still my favorite game of all time. I'll have to, maybe, maybe that'll be a project for 2023 for me. Uh, please report back where okay. we'd be intrigued right. to hear. I mean, it, that, and that's the thing about favorite, right? Is like, is it a cumulative thing? Is it a, where did it like, where, where were you when you played it? And or is it mm -hmm. an associated memory thing? Cause mm -hmm. you know, those are part of it. Or is it just like, you know, endlessly replayable because again, most old games are not endlessly replayable. Uh, although a lot of the late 2d stuff has stayed replayable. This game is. So if I, I just want to say for anybody out there who's like young and has never played this game, it's worth the, I don't know, $50 or whatever to get the bundle that this game is on switch just to play it because it's still that playable i would say yeah right? even even though if, if odyssey is more fun to play yeah mario 64 as you said is still a, a, just a super fun video game to play absolutely yeah especially when you look at speedrunners or like uh mark medina for example over at ign yeah. like i think it speaks to the quality of the game if the system wasn't complex enough and precise enough you wouldn't be able to have people like Mark who you can watch and it is like a magic trick where Mario just goes bing, 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 bing through the level. And you're like, oh, I didn't even know I the system is uh, screwed together well enough to handle that kind of usage. You know, like you can become a pro. You can get good at mm -hmm. Mario 64. And uh, I do think that's remarkable considering that you could get good in the 2D space and there's like amazing old school Mario speed runs, but this was the very first Mario venture into a new space for it to already be at the point where speedrunners to this day can play it and amp it up to a thousand and turn it inside out. It speaks to like the craftsmanship of the underlying engine. Yeah. Uh, they really yeah. thought about the jumps as tools. Like they were really mm -hmm. thoughtful about what kind of jump pat, like what palette of jumps and power-ups are necessary to get really good at this game. Uh, and like, I would say a lot of other games, that's not true. Like, like certainly they gave you the tools you need to get through the game, but not to be like a wizard at it. You know, like, like I think dishonored is another game like mm -hmm. this, which we've talked about recently. Dishonored is a game where like the Palo tools are really smartly chosen so that not only are they fun to use and you can play, get through the game, but like somebody who wants to can play for 200 hours and like obliterate a city with magic if they want. And it's fucking awesome. You know, uh, and I think that's that's like truly great game design when there's a master level that's fun to watch other people do. Uh, right. This game has that. I will split from you in saying that if you're a young person who hasn't played either, I'd play Odyssey first. <laughs> it's oh, much, sure, sure. Much, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. The advances are there. But I think, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I still like going back and watching black and white movies, right? Like, and I, they're undeniably different pacing and culture and they're not as fun to watch as your latest great drama or, or action movie or whatever. But like when you watch Casablanca and you realize every movie you've seen feels like Casablanca in one way or the other, you're like, Oh shit, this is a good movie. I get it. I see why it's mm -hmm. so good. I think that you can have that experience with Mario. Human like, I really think Casablanca. That. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. I, same yeah. thing, dude. That's right. They're the same thing. <laughs> same thing. All right, let's hit a break, break shall time. we? Yeah, let's do it. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Did you catch Season 3 of This is Digital? Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including digital lessons from the EV revolution and the chief digital officer's role in disruption and culture, featuring guests like Ekta Chopra of Elf Beauty and Tyson Jomini of J.D. Power. Do you have a digital mindset? Find out by checking out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com. And that brings us to our final segment of the episode. Uh, This is still one-upsmanship. It's still Damon, Michael, and Adam. And we are passing our final checkpoint into an area called Keeper Delete. Now, this is where uh, we basically decide whether the game should or should not be included on a celestial hard drive that we will one day, when the sun has enveloped the Earth, uh, I guess it's made of some like kind of metal that doesn't melt, it will be mm-hmm. shared with aliens <laughs> and it will be the only their only understanding of what video games are as a medium. So that's what we mean, Damon, by celestial hard drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will say we've determined the hard drive can only hold 100 things and it's not full yet. So no, this so is going to be kind of easy because it's we're not devil like may you care have about to it. Yeah. make a, yeah, a difficult choice. But do you think Mario 64 would exist on such a drive? I think absolutely. Are are these games being ranked, or are they just there's just a hundred of them? Not yet, but I think we're okay. I think we're just sort of gently avoiding that conversation because we don't we're have a hundred games podcast. yet. Yeah, we yeah. only have like ninety episodes. We'll get yeah. there. Check in yeah. in a few years, and, and we'll see. By the time the sun envelops the Earth, it maybe maybe Mario sixty four won't be as relevant, but uh, it, it's certainly like it, it is. It's the mold by which basically every three D platformer since uh, has been based on. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and uh, frankly, a lot of 3D games in general mm-hmm. uh, borrow from Mario 64. I don't know what it would take to dislodge this game from a celestial hard drive. Like, I have a hard time imagining that because, like, if I've imagined the history of cinema, an older art form, I don't know what it would take to get rid of Casablanca. You know, like, uh, is it the most relevant, freshest movie now? No, but it's the titan of drama. Like, you know, how do you not like you can watch it to find modern screenplay structure? Yeah, it's like, like, yeah, if it's not include that, (laughs) if this drive is at all a historical document, if that's all it is, which, you know, if it's going aliens, it better be a historical document. Uh, I don't know how you get rid of Mario 64. It's my favorite game of all time. And I got to keep it of all time. My favorite game of all time. Yes, that's my favorite. I've played it like 15 times. And we always use the word favorite to imply as all things are, that it is a subjective relationship to art. I don't think so it's yeah, the best favorite. game. Yeah, I don't think but it's you're the best. Not, you don't have to say that. That's the beauty of favorite. Um, so fine, accepted. Yes, it's not my favorite game of all time. 
but it doesn't have to be. It handily makes the drive. I will turn the third key and this will be engraved. (laughs) And then we will launch the art nuke. Uh, into you know, well, not, yet, the not yet. We're not done yet, but we are done with this episode. <laughs> Great. Keeper delete was kind of short. We're sorry about that, but I don't know how we could dither about. Sometimes we mm-hmm. have very heated debates, but what Mario sixty four uh, I mean, is not going to skate by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess you could that you could argue whether whether to include sixty four or Odyssey. Well, we've yeah. included both because we again are not yet. Our feet are not to the fire, uh, gotcha. and that's a problem eventually, though. Like, I, I, I don't know, or maybe it isn't, but I don't know for sure. Oh, that... it is. I'll make it a problem. Okay. Yeah, we yeah, have yeah. episodes. We have episodes where we reconvene and go over things and sort of have to re uh, shift our priorities. And I think those Marios will eventually have to fight, but not yet. That's a problem yeah. for another day. Yeah. That's right. We are going to have one of those episodes this year, everybody. Uh, and by this year, I mean either Curating end of this year episode. or early next year. Uh, to at least talk about the state of the drive and add or delete some things. Mm-hmm. So that's coming. Not to mention our game of the year episode where Adam, right. I'm sure, will select probably Ragnarok or Elden Ring. And I'll select some <laughs> weird indie crap that I try to <laughs> shove down your throat. I, well, I don't know how goes. you... I'm sorry, like spoilers, but Elden Ring is... Uh, Better than is whatever a, weird indie thing. A fucking terrific ring. game, man. Like if you don't put it in the top five anywhere... I'm going to have to give you a real hard stink eye on that. Like, what? That game is amazing. I'm just sick of hearing you talk about it, frankly. <laughs> Wait, Damon, did you played Elden Ring, right? Is that... Like, yeah, I was, I was a... It's very convert. good. It's very good. It, convert. it converted I did not you. Like, yeah, I didn't like... I would not have considered myself a fan of like Souls-like games before that, and I, but I, I fought with it, yeah. and uh, I eventually I let it, I let it tame me. <laughs> yeah, I wrested <laughs> joy from it. I oh, no, it domesticated you, yeah. It tarnished yeah. me. No, but so just one last dumb question. Do you think it's because that, that game is more about exploration than the other I mean, from yeah, soft prob- games? Well, probably, but it's also the, the one that I... It's the, the only one that I really gave a fair chance so i don't okay. i should probably try to play bloodborne at some point i don't know bloodborne's, bloodborne's very good too. i think, I think bloodborne's fun yeah. i also yeah. like there's I, maybe we're getting into the weeds here there are so many ways to mediate the difficulty in elden ring like you right. can cheese right. so many bosses and enemies and i love that i have no problem doing that right that's right yeah i finally connected it when with it when i decided to just stop being hard on myself and like do a build that is fine it's like you can cheese stuff it's okay give yourself yeah. permission to and then I was like, oh, this is super, super fun now. So, but this uh, does. I can't this, do it hardcore sword, sword and shield. No, it's really hard. This yeah. does translate to Mario 64, because, again, I think that some of the tools that make Elden Ring fun, like the idea of it being more about exploration and the idea of building a set of tools that makes you not only master the game, but also allows you to cut like cut the difficulty. That's something Mario 64 did. And mm-hmm. like they're still applying mm-hmm. those principles. Are they the first game that did those things? I don't know, but Mario sixty four did that. So maybe maybe somewhere in the long line of Elden Ring's, you know, uh, brain trust, those lessons were learned somewhere back there. Elden yeah. Ring also has magical what wind fountains that can launch your horse in the air. That's right, just like the cannons. That's in Mario right. 64. <laughs> Everything oh, is Mario sixty four. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> I love it. You're right. I love it. Horses don't go far enough, fast enough. We should work on that in real life. <laughs> we should yeah. invent horse cannons. Horse we would benefit from it. it. Yeah. It would save us from all this carbon dioxide <laughs> stuff. No more cars, just horse cannons. All right. That it sounds like we're wrapping up. Um, so, Damon, where do you most like to share your stuff slash have folks encounter you these I mean, days? I mean, it used to be Twitter, but I don't yeah. know. I hey, guess right? I we're in a transitional a new, period. I need to find a new place. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, I, I'm on IGN and like if anyone out there yeah. hasn't ever checked out GameScoop, it's my weekly video game podcast with IGN. So you can find it in your in whatever podcast service you prefer. It's a wonderful Scoop. podcast. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm very proud of my handful of appearances on that show. That's right. You're great. My cut to be. Uh, That's right. If people want to hear a wide variety of other podcasts, Adam and I are involved in, they can find them over at patreoncom slash small beans, where you get shows like star Trek, the next Futurama spiel boys. I'll show you mine. If you show me yours, director piece theater, a whole wide range of topics. Otherwise, if you're only interested in video games, discourse, you're already at the right spot. One upsmanship. We'll see you next time. Thanks guys. Work complete. 
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Digital trends show up every day in business decisions and actions. West Monroe is the number one strategic partner translating technology into financial value for companies. The This Is Digital podcast applies West Monroe's two decades of secrets and best practices to your business's benefit. Favorite past topics from the last three seasons include how AI and the next generation of employees are shaping the workplace, becoming a product company, Highmark's journey, and what does it mean to put the customer first? Learn more at westmonroe.com.